it's time for the first hour of the Dr. and Mrs. Future show. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Ladies and gentlemen, KSEO presents the Dr. Future Show. If you would like to join in our show today, you can call us at 831-479-1080. That's 831-479-1080. And now, your host, Dr. Future. Howdy, folks. Welcome to Future Tuesday, December 6th. The day that will forever live in bliss because the day before. The infamous <laughs> day, day before the infamous day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Mrs. Future, it's great to have you on the show with Anne Bobby. Bobby uh, Wilder, our science correspondent in San Francisco. You're there, Bobby. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I hope me? so. Hope it has there. truly been a wonderful ride, I must say, all these many years. Yeah. <sighs> Yes, KSCL will forever be living in some way or another, if not through live, through reruns. <laughs> That's true. We do not predict the future. We're yeah. just staying tuned. But, you know, I was thinking that, well, what's the future of, of this place, and, or radio in generally, because uh, AM and FM radio and television even cost way more money than podcasts mm-hmm. ever will. Talking never goes out of style, though. Yeah. That's true. And listening. That's true. It's just the format shifts, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the frequencies. You could kind of think that radio has been around since the original phone networking when people had party lines and things like that. That's kind of like talk radio. Back right? when everyone used tin cans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It goes way back. It'll evolve. And, you know, we are media people, so we'll evolve and we'll, we'll keep you posted as to what yeah, we, we do. Yeah, we still mostly do video. Yeah. So this is our Tuesday pastime to connect with friends. Yeah, and talk radio is very special because it allows us to be much more interactive with the audience than most forms of media. Yeah. Which is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking also that the, the immediacy that we have for this. Like, for example, we pulled onto Highway 17 today without realizing that there was a jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, right. If I had just looked a little bit faster, uh-huh. uh, we got on at Scotts Valley and it was jammed up all the way down to Pasa Tiempo. Yeah. But it wasn't scary. Like sometimes when you turn onto a freeway and then it's like Oops. slam on the brakes because everybody stopped. Oh, I should have checked Google. Yeah. <laughs> it was moving just very slow. Yeah. So I was, I was remembering that uh, I had read that a scientific way to, to work with this, so when you're having two lanes going into one, is to stay in the right lane the last minute <laughs> leave it to you <laughs> right? to have See, that like, little trick you up of your merge. sleeve you kind of merge the uh-huh. I, you know I did I didn't do it before because from a driver's point of view it's kind of rude mm-hmm. in a way to cut in at the last minute mm-hmm. but from a scientific point of view I watched a red car a red uh, Toyota uh, just before me I went into the left lane and he stayed in the right and Darn, if he was like a dozen cars in front of me by the time we merged. <laughs> so, so it's slightly rude, but apparently it's more efficient and it tends to Oh boy, be good for, isn't that the dilemma in the world today? Yeah. Whether to be rude or to be first. Or, you know, or to go with the flow, with the best flow. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Actually, Rude will get you first in that instance. And, you know, keeping that in mind, when I had to let this guy that was way behind me in front of me, mm-hmm. you know, when, at the merge, I, I just let him do it. I didn't stress about it. Mm-hmm. Just, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Block yeah, him? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> my blood pressure will go what? Cut him off. <laughs> yeah, cut him off. It's one of those areas where when there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, <laughs> That's what Santa happens. Cruz Road rules. A little different than, like, New York. <laughs> where you never... New York means never having to say you're sorry. Yeah, and you're in a hurry. <laughs> People in your way. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. We got here in time, and it's really great. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention before we get into the news mm-hmm. is that everyone's thinking about, well, what can we do with KCO and the radio station mm-hmm. when AM and FM are going away even as a medium? What's what's the next step for media? Mm-hmm. And that's the big debate. And I was thinking that one of the things about this property is that it's on what's called Cochrane Lagoon, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting place where fresh water meets salt water, mm-hmm. and it creates this own little ecosystem yeah. with birds, egrets, and no crocodiles. No. But the tide is low right now. It's got a very unique smell. Yeah. It's getting, yeah it <laughs> Familiar like, to people who spend yeah. time by the ocean. A little sludgy for my taste, but it must be good for certain kinds of clam-like creatures. <laughs> so I was thinking that these buildings are perfectly in position to track all the details of this unique little ecosystem mm-hmm. that we're in. Sure. And all the critters that live here. You want to turn it the, into an eco-station? Yeah, 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 an eco station. Uh-huh. That's it, Mrs. Future. Okay, so yeah. just become a center for all of the ecology feeds that are being generated well, the weather, all around the, the world. The alkalinity of the water, the, mm-hmm. the temperature, the tides changing, the atmosphere above. It's a really key where the land meets the sea. It's mm-hmm. a real magical place. It's one of the magical things about our community is that we are on the sea. Mm-hmm. So it provides a, a really close look, especially where water meets water. Mm-hmm. And creates this like swamp <laughs> that's really <laughs> not much use for. We for can't swimming. drain this swamp, <laughs> uh, but you know, great for studying the way things actually uh, interact in nature. Sure, right here. Yeah, uh, it is very beautiful spot as far as nature goes, but as far as people go, yeah. It, well, there is know. a people beach too here. That's what's that's interesting. Right, there's a nice. All the beach. swamp is on one side of the road, and the other side is the beach. Yeah. KSU already has a camera up over there, you know, <laughs> so you can watch people play volleyball and stuff. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, well, it has its pluses, but it is in the clause of the Coastal Commission, so yes, you know, there's well, a lot of that's restrictions. Why, that's that... why I think with an eco station, it's sensors. It's really getting permission to have lots of different sensors than having massive bandwidth to connect them with each other and with other people interested in ecosystems, hmm. uh, maybe even school kids might mm-hmm. be interested in having a, a major experience of what that ecosystem is. So that's what we call a million-dollar uh, idea. Yeah. All yeah. you need is a million dollars. Oh, I could easily spend a million dollars on sensors. <laughs> well, I'm sure I, you probably need more than a million dollars yeah. to... I mean, that's, that's less than the cost of a single cruise missile. You know, we want, you know, real science here. That's true. You know, but that's available to everybody. radio stations and cruise missiles are not exactly competing for the same dollar. For the same dollar, no. And <laughs> we, we certainly didn't pay for that new B-21 Raider with bake sales. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really good show, though, wasn't it? Watching oh, that new yeah. B-21 Raider. The new, the new bat thing. Sci-fi the of the future yes, of defense. the new Air Force uh, aircraft probably replace the B-52. Well, we'll have to talk a little bit more about that kind of thing after the break. All right. 
We go to a break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Dr. and Mrs. Future, Bobby Wilder, Space News coming up. Okay, welcome back to the show. Boy, we got some news, and we got a special guest coming in for the second hour. Right. We're not going to take any calls just yet. We're going to take calls maybe at the end of the Maybe guest. after 2.30. Yeah. I All think right. that's the first part. We'll All take right. some calls. Right now, I want to get into some of the news this week. Uh, update on the Artemis mission, our little uh, NASA flight, day flight 14 today. It's gone the maximum distance yesterday. The uh, spacecraft reached the furthest from the Earth that will travel during the Artemis mission, at which is 268,563 miles. Okay. 268,563. It's gone as far as it's going to go. Yes. Uh-huh. Just after 3 p.m. Now, remember, around the Earth's about 25,000 miles. So this is 268,000 miles. Mm-hmm. Multiples. Many multiples. Yeah. <laughs> and naturally, it was filming the whole time. So we got all this great footage. Oh, who's going to edit? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to crowdsource it, of course, that they do everything. I uh, thought it would be the AIs. <laughs> well, they probably will, too. No, NASA does make a lot of raw data available. Yeah. And it behooves you to access it and then process it. Some people have whole YouTube channels dedicated to NASA footage that they've reprocessed. Sure. It's a whole thing. Yeah. No, I go onto the yeah. NASA website a lot when I'm looking for beautiful graphics. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is that you don't even have to go to NASA. You can go to a lot of third parties that take the data and make it more interesting and more beautiful and more accessible. Mm-hmm. Space art. Space art, right. We know people who do that. Yeah. We've had them on the show. Yeah. Uh, Don if Davis. you're out there listening, yeah. always Thanks, a babe. The next exciting moment is going to be Sunday, this coming Sunday, December 11th. The spacecraft will be coming back into the atmosphere uh-huh. of our planet off the coast of California. Right oh, boy. Here. So we might actually be able to see Will there be something it. to see? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, we'll see. Are there, there aren't boosters attached to it, right? But it's it going to slow down. It's going to get red hot right, as it's coming as it into the atmosphere. Right, it enters the atmosphere. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's going to be... It's a test flight for the crew module, right? This is a crew module right. landing in it the It doesn't ocean. have any live people on it, but it does have some live robots. Some dummies. they got some dummies got that some are... crash dummies. That are hopefully That are hoping not going to crash. Hopefully won't fry. Yeah. Because the heat shield is one of the big <laughs> tests. <laughs> yeah. Can people come back in this uh, vehicle in the future? And can the crash dummies come back so that we can retrieve their radiation data that yes, they went through the Allen They will show that us, radiation us mortals could survive such journeys. Right. And with just our spacesuits yeah. and <laughs> yeah. our spaceships. <laughs> we don't have to mutate ourselves just yet. You know, and the technology behind the uh, reentry shields is evolving mm-hmm. quite a bit. Lighter, able to handle higher temperatures. 3,000 degrees is not unusual mm-hmm. for a reentry. Mm-hmm. I believe the latest innovation in reentry technology is inflatables. <laughs> yeah, really? inflatable shields. Yeah, <laughs> like airbags. <laughs> airbag shields. Airbags for heat 
shields. Yeah, exciting field. <laughs> if you're into material science, well, there's a there's a pioneering area for you to explore. Oh boy, reentry. So that'll be on Sunday. Okay. Well, so I guess next week we'll know. Yeah, we'll know a lot more. more. And you can watch yeah. it. Yeah. Right, we'll watch you watch it. the uh, been the Artemis uh, project, Bobby. You've been tracking. I definitely watched all the launch stuff. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. There were a few hiccups recently. I I guess I mentioned that, but everything seems to be going pretty well. So I haven't far. heard in any updates yeah. on the CubeSats. There were these ten yeah. CubeSats that some of which failed. Right. I'd like to hear right. whether or not they were successful in their missions. I guess I'll wait till right. next week. But that's a, kind of a submissions, you might say. Ten submissions. Ten yeah, submissions. they had a communications problem. Yeah. That was one of the, I think that was the Japanese one that had that. Yeah. The other one I'm curious about is the roving eye, the Italian CubeSat that's supposed to be roving around as an external vision of the air spacecrafts themselves and another point of view of the mission. Taking pictures. Yeah, taking oh, pictures. Oh, that's how they got that incredible shot of the uh, Artemis and the Earth and the Moon. That's what all I'm thinking. Three. Yeah, I'm wondering, I'm thinking of... How did they get that shot? <laughs> There's another great shot in today's report, which mm-hmm. is the crescent moon shot. Or it's actually the crescent, the crescent Earth. Earth. Very beautiful. Never before seen perspective of the moon and the Earth. Yeah, you think we have poetry about crescent moons. Try crescent Earth. <laughs> yeah it's quite beautiful oh i haven't seen that yeah yeah should well, put up a picture search crescent earth you'll see it it's it's awesome yeah or i saw it on the dr future show article on artemis <laughs> it wasn't too hard to find that's true we have on and as oh, part it, of our it, links it, page it's too. on the artist? yeah the okay. first link in december yeah. 6th for today is uh, oh oh uh, yeah i see the picture yeah, yeah. Oh, oh i thought yeah it looks like one of those fingernail moons, but it's the crescent, Earth. You know? Is that what we're seeing? Yeah. 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 That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> and just the beginning. I think it'll lend itself to a whole new art of looking at the Earth from space in new ways. Not just for data, but for beauty, like crescents. Beautiful stuff. So also this week, we're going to be talking about this mostly in the second hour with Dr. Bruce Damer. It's about some active volcanism on Mars and what it means for life there. It's a big topic, and so we'll be exploring that more in the second hour. But magma seems to be in the news lately. (laughs) Some stuff, more stuff happening in Hawaii, of course. The big concern right now is whether or not the magma is going to block a major highway that crosses the island. In this whole story of, uh, of what's going on with Hawaii, I found this uh, one that I've linked particularly fascinating as it talks about how we have in the past tried to change the direction of lava flows coming off the mountain. Sure. Like if the lava flow is heading for something important like a major highway or uh, as in the case of 1935, it was the water supply mm-hmm. for some of the local for towns. Hilo. Mm-hmm. What to do? Do we have the technology? Do we have the capability of directing the flow of well, a volcanic energy. you know humans are always they'll they'll try it and see yeah. right so, so what happened in 1935 well, one of their one of their bright ideas back then was to use large 600 pound bombs 
to drop it. Oh, because this uh, is 1935. Yeah, so they were between the wars there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the idea was that they'd be able to redirect it with uh, bomb blasts, hopefully the ones that would um, maybe collapse lava tubes, mm-hmm. and the lava tubes would redirect it somehow. Hmm. I, I don't fully understand the details of that, but apparently a number of the bombs missed, mm-hmm. and they were still lying there, and that, <laughs> that the current... Lava has hit them and blown them up. Isn't that weird? So they're. It was sort of like a minefield like waiting to happen. Pre World War II. Uh, a lava bombs. minefield. Exactly. So they're warning <sighs> tourists, you know, not to get too close because you know, there's more going on than just the lava. Isn't that crazy? And not that the lava isn't enough. I mean, there's wow. underground. There's unexploded ordnance yeah. around the Mauna Loa volcano flow Yeah, that's being exploded today and has been sitting there since 1935. Yeah, as an experiment wow. to try to redirect the flow of the lava, which they want to do again now because it's starting to approach the major highway. But huh. what can they do? You know, all the people who thought of that and all the people who activated that, they're probably all dead. Like, yeah, and yeah. here it is. Yeah, that's true. You know, <laughs> and it's been the news. <laughs> Ninety years later, and yeah. uh, this next generation is thinking about it. Like, hmm, bombs, lava. Should we be afraid? Can we fix this? Yeah, it's kind of amazing that people take so little responsibility for the consequences of what they put their life force into. I mean, sure, even well intentioned, but bombs. Uh, well, not they your are favorite thing. Inherently not destructive. Your, I, they can be, but explosive forces also run civilization. Sure, um, but not not they, noticing that they didn't explode and then leaving them here for 90 years and then it takes another lava flow to activate it. It's almost, There's something uh, wrong with it's that. It's also almost comedic. Well, since if, yeah, as long as nobody hurtful. gets yeah, hurt. Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, it's a little like goofy to the moon or something, um, right? I have a link to an interesting article. I think it was a CNN piece that mm-hmm. covered that element of it. Wow, fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. There's also the idea that maybe combining a little science with shamanism and uh, talk to the locals about um, communicating with the volcano. Oh, really? What did you find out about that? Not a lot. Oh. <laughs> Not a lot. But I did see one piece. I'm, I'll be researching that more. Uh, oh. have a better report next week. Oh. But I do think there's something to shamanism and communicating with the spirits of the volcano. I don't think it's total woo. Uh-huh. So you think Pele uh, has an attitude about the road that crosses Big Island? I don't think it's Time anthropomorphic. It I think our scientists are right in that trying to interpret intelligences like volcanoes, like humans, is ridiculous. Right. It's a different intelligence entirely. Right. And tuning into what that is, is the challenge. Well, do you think we have more ability to communicate with volcanoes on Earth? Or do you think that we have the same ability to communicate with volcanoes on Mars? I think they connect. All right. I think once you connect with the fire gods of volcanoes. They're talking to each other. The universe is uh, your oyster. And they might not be talking to us because we're just little... Little fleas on their bodies. On, on one level, yeah. <laughs> but on another, we're a species to uh, communicate with. I do believe that. <laughs> All right, yeah. folks. Uh, we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to the show. 
Wasn't uh, changing the course of mighty rivers one of uh, Superman's superpowers? <laughs> was it? <laughs> I think it was changing. Just before you bend steel with your bare hands. Stopping a bullet. Yeah. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Change the course of mighty rivers. Uh, bend steel with your bare hands. I thought it was something about faster than a faster, well. Speeding bullet. I think we're in the right ballpark here. That's what it changed the course of mighty lava flows. <laughs> that's the superpower. It's a job for Superman, huh? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't say anything about lava flows. I would suspect he could, though. Okay. He does an x-ray vision. All right. I, I thought, yeah, yeah, all right. I, I can't remember yeah. the quote. It's I think the x-ray gone. vision was the key. You know, yeah. you can change the flow. Yeah. Locally, like you can set sure. the course. With right. It. Yeah. He knew how to how to create a new trough. Huh? Never mind using his hands. <laughs> Just look and see. No, it. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, You're looking at it is a lot easier. Superman. I mean, there is a new device that allows you to bore tunnels through the earth with lasers mm-hmm. by melting it. Right. The boring company. No. Device. No, it's or another some company. Other one. Yeah, uh-huh. that's but it's a, it's a more cutting edge technology. Oh. All right, who do we got on the line, Mrs. Future? We have Pure Heart. In Aptos. Hi, Pure Heart. Hey there, Pure Heart. Hi there, everybody. We're good. Well, okay. I hope TSCO continues, and if it does, I hope your show continues. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Us um, too, but we're very you, zen. You could simply change the flow of lava. You dig a trough where you want it to go, and then just get an array of hoses spraying seawater to solidify the leading edge and have it well up and go down that trough. But anyway. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, but we're so tiny yeah. compared to... Well, Lava no. flows. Well, if you see the size of the flow or not. But anyway, <laughs> think, think of Fukushima trying to freeze the whole wall of frozen things to, to uh, stop water there. Uh-huh. Which yeah. didn't work, well, at least at a huge scale. Yeah. Th- this question might be aimed towards Bobby. Yes. You, you guys have heard the theory that there might be you know, civilizations have risen and fallen before to us. Yes, yes, like the 12,800 yeah, year. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. they've even gotten you know, more advanced, so therefore they would have space travel theoretically. And there's pyramids built upon pyramids. But so the theory is like, if this is true, where's the evidence? (laughs) I was thinking, well, gee, one place to look might be geosynchronous orbit, dead satellites. I was wondering how easy it is to spot a dead satellite, if Bobby knows, because usually satellites talk back. Can they spot dead ones, Bobby? (laughs) That's interesting. I think if they reflect light, then they would be a streak on a film on a photographic film. That's how they discovered meteors and comets uh, that ra- way. What about radar? So, but, radar. Well, yeah, I was just thinking but, there might be know, a possible place for, 12, for artifacts. So anyway, that's all I've got you, today. You're uh, right. Thank you so yeah, much. I think the G2 and the G1 and G2, the, the synchronous orbit spaces, maybe, I, yeah, they're very little, interesting. Maybe in a Lagrange point, something could be there. How long would a geosynchronous, so-called yeah, geosynchronous yeah, satellite stay without... Any station keeping, maybe or maybe not, it's there. Anyway, that's right. it. Good thoughts. All Thank right, you. your heart. Always Thank a pleasure. You. Good to hear from you. Okay. Don't the satellites have a yeah. little bit of fuel or a gas that allows them to stay in their orbit? They have to do minor adjustments all the time. Yeah, because of uh, you know the solar yeah. flares and solar wind, it could knock it off um, a twelve thousand year orbit. Kind of hard to stay put in the same spot. Yeah, it it, it might yeah. have some redirection necessary. Yeah, it's not like nothing's going on up there. Uh, yeah, I know they've had to move um, the space station a few times to avoid the junk. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Debris. And James yeah. Webb Telescope has already been hit by some micrometeorites. Oh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of stuff up there. No place in space but, is but really they empty. Are finding for things to last like 12,000 years, there's <laughs> the Earth collects a lot of dust and debris, and it gets buried mm-hmm. deep in the ground, and things don't last that long. Usually, right. but they're uncovering these cities that are twelve thousand years old. In, yeah, yeah. I've been Turkey. watching this Hancock special on that. Graham Hancock. Yeah. Yeah, on Netflix. Graham. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. You remember oh, the name of it? Kopeki, Kopeki Teke, or something? Yeah, Kopeki Depli or something. Yeah. Tongue tire. Yeah. So. Well, that was interesting because I, I saw a um, YouTube on that last night where they were talking about this Turkish site, and somebody was asking at an archaeological convention where Hancock was there with Hawass. Oh, the Egyptian, Egyptian. guy yeah. who's in charge of all a, a, the a Egyptian artifacts. Yeah. yeah, and it was very interesting there because he's super traditional. Graham Hancock is postulating advanced civilizations in the past. And those two are like oil and water. Oh, yeah. They just don't get together. It's, it's yeah. impossible. It doesn't happen. No, that's wrong. And, but the big, big thing was the Sphinx, you know, the, uh, there's the suggestion that the Sphinx is older than the pyramids. And that's one of the new theories. And Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, uh, and It he, is older. Yeah. And he refused to even listen to Hancock's lecture on the topic. He just walked out. Well, Graham Hancock is a big fan of, I forget his first name, West, but he is a classic mystery of Egypt writer. Anthony West, I think is his name, and Graham Hancock thinks that he's really right on, and mm. Hawass thinks that he's just woo-woo flaco. So this is an old battle that Hawass has been denouncing them for yeah. as long as he's been in office, you know? Right. I think Graham's got a very interesting new series on Netflix. I, I think it's worth checking out. He is. He's the most interesting storyteller and archaeologist in, yeah. on the planet. He's great. He was just on Joe Rogan, too, talking with a geologist who Joe Rogan likes to talk to. And they were talking about the comets that have changed yeah. the course of history. And how there was a catastrophic events in the past that could have happened, like a group of asteroids hitting simultaneously which would cause cataclysmic floods and earth changes sure. about 12,800 years ago, which is, seems to support a lot of the geological evidence around the planet. The ways in which the uh, rocks seem to be eroded suggest the sudden change rather than sure. a, a slow change. Well, would, remember Schumacher-Levy. I mean, yeah. I think that that comet that actually struck happened, Jupiter yeah. like 17 times. And each one was a, a nuclear explosion, the catastrophic proportions, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and oh, by the way, the, the name of the Netflix uh, series is called Ancient Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. It really flies in the face of a lot of tradition in archaeology because archaeologists do not like catastrophic events. They like to think gradualism as mm-hmm. more of how most things evolved. Mm-hmm. And to postulate that, that there was a major cataclysmic event is just radical for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And therein lies the main difference. Yeah, well... It's all looking at evidence and then imagining the story that brought you the that evidence. Actually, well, right? that could happen, but that's right. not what mostly did happen. Yeah. And cataclysm is not, I think, punctuated equilibrium is one way of expressing it. That's where things are pretty mellow most of the time, and then suddenly, whoa, 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 a bunch of changes. You know, the rocks hit you, or mm. floods occur, and then, yeah, and then things are calm again for a while. <laughs> <laughs> mostly. And then... Yeah. Stability, of, crisis. I think the... 
It's called punctuated equilibrium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's hope for the stability right. phase of that for our existence. <laughs> yeah, right. I was thinking about what Dearheart said. Yes. I, I think it's more like, more appropriate would be like out of 2001 in Space Odyssey where the monolith is mm. on the moon. And I think mm. there it could be buried on the moon and discovered just like in 2001. Yeah. And I think that's how they would have their satellite or whatever beacon <laughs> coming out. Mm-hmm. And that way they wouldn't have to worry about the solar winds or anything, you know, just somebody uncovering it later. Hmm. I wonder if the solar winds aren't, if the magnetic field of the Earth isn't actually the Earth's response to the solar winds. Like it's a way of protecting the Earth just by rotating, you know, and creating a magnetic field that's kind of like your superpower to repulse all of these things that might be thrown at you in the universe. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it bounces off a lot of the neutrons and electrons that are coming from the sun. Definitely. I mean, it might even be a sign so, of life. Just the very fact that our planet orbits the way that it does in response to the sun might actually be a classification of planetary life. Mm. You know? What do you think of the idea of electromagnetic membranes? Sounds good to me. Uh, <laughs> what can we well, do with yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plasma fields? Well, no, that's what they would Light be. shows? Yeah, the would they look like aurora borealis? <laughs> well, the geomagnetic field of the Earth, you might argue mm-hmm. that uh, if it didn't exist, we wouldn't exist. I definitely. So change in a sense, anything, it's a, change everything. <laughs> it's a, a layer of uh-huh. protection That's that we have from raw space. Yeah. You know, if the sun didn't uh, protect us from radiation, we wouldn't be here, or we would be something entirely different. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, radiation creatures, <laughs> you know. But, right. But life as we know it, which is pretty good, you know, but we created it. It has to be exactly the way it is. And so it all is working as part of a large ecosystem to keep us happy and healthy most of the time, except for those punctuated equilibrium moments, which pushes the evolutionary spiral forward. Sure. Well, there's parts of us. It's true of all life. Part yeah. of it really likes the way things are and wants them to keep going and adapts perfectly to the situation that it finds. And then parts of it, don't like the way things are, wish it could be better, <laughs> try and optimize something that isn't really optimized yet and evolve and go away from the way things are and feel like the way things are, are too limited and those forces are always Playing taking turns. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Where's the pioneering spirit today? <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. We got people on the phone. Stay tuned. All right, let's talk to the people on the phone. I, I don't want to talk about the zombie virus too much. Oh, Do that. Thank you. Okay. Okay, welcome back to the show. The boards are lit up, so we're going to go right to them. But before <laughs> before we go right to them, yeah. I just want to have this one question. It's always wondered, I've always wondered about the, the monolith in 2001, A Space Odyssey. You remember at the beginning, the monolith yes. was training the apes to be smarter. 
It seemed like it was their great education teacher. You're your, my alien ET teacher. That's right. Right? And then in the future, instead of teaching humans when we uncover one, we go through all the trouble to find one on, on the moon and uncover it and look at it, you think it would teach us some more. Mm-hmm. But no, no, it rats on us. It sends a signal off to the aliens that we've discovered it. All right. These you know, monkeys made it off the planet. Let's put them no. in a zoo. Any advanced <laughs> alien would keep on teaching us. They wouldn't just stop because we were humans. And by humble. And why did are we, you why sure did you're not Arthur just reading your own interpretation? I am. Into I'm reading it. my own interpretation. But why would maybe that was evolution? Why would the alien teacher turn into a, a an old a, man, a cop, and report <laughs> us? <laughs> he would okay. want us to evolve. Is that what Further, you want right? the people no, anyway, that's calling in to no, discuss? No, no, no. I'm sure no one's even thinking about that, but I just wanted to mention that. Uh, right. Before, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, it makes Bob, for a better story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or it lends it to another story, perhaps. There. Okay. Yeah. So who do we got on the line, Mrs. Future? Okay. We're going to start with Jordan from Menlo Park. Jordan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jordan. Hey, Hi. we know you. How, how you doing? Yeah. I'm doing good. I was I was listening to the show because Billy reminded me about it. Ah. And it seems like you and Billy are really hitting it off. You guys are doing your own They're clubhouse doing shows all clubhouse. the time. These guys are radio fiends yeah, on Clubhouse. Yeah, we, we, we got along. We're part of a group of cranky old men on Clubhouse. But um, <laughs> <laughs> And you uh, love it. I, I, I do love it. And I went ahead and looked up the whole Superman Bending court rivers oh, in his hands. Thanks. So oh, like thank you. Tell you tell you what I found out. I'd love to hear it. Oh, great. Well, first of all, you're exactly right, Alan. Oh, Go Superman. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bends steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild mannered reporter for Great American newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. The American way. That's the original. Yeah. <laughs> then I found somebody wrote this up, and they said, in the opening theme of the 50s Adventures of Superman TV series, yeah. among Superman's abilities, like being faster, etc., uh-huh. is being able to change the course of Mighty Rivers. All the other abilities were shown at one time or another on the TV show. Right. Never anything to do with a river. So was this ever huh. shown in a comic book, animation, or other live depictions? Wow. And then some guy says, off the top of my head... The only time I can recall him doing this is in the comics, in the Infinite Crisis era, where he had multiple fortresses, and one of them was in a jungle or rainforest, and a dam was being broken, and Clark had to save a nearby village from huh. being flooded. So that's the only reference oh. we actually have to that. So. Wow, just yeah, one thank comic. Thank you. Wow, Valuable whole, information. Whole tagline of changing the course mm-hmm. of mighty rivers. Uh-huh. Yeah, you wonder why they went with that first one. It was something he never even actually did. Yeah. Well, it seemed to me like a good mission for him would be these lavas uh, saving the <laughs> yeah. saving the people. Superman yeah. and Pele could have some words. B- maybe right. maybe he would have to uh, come to Pele and have a special meeting. Or maybe he would be able to figure out where those unexploded ordnance were still buried and, you know, see if it was a good idea to blow them up now <laughs> before they cause problems. How many did they- yeah, just how many did they lose? Do they know? Isn't that interesting? I wonder. <laughs> well, the mysterious thing was that they, after they blew up some of the bombs, it stopped about two weeks later. In thirty-five, so, in, in 1935. 1935. Yeah, so they don't know if for sure if it was the bombs or not. But uh, They, they can't even tell if the bombs they planted blew up. To, to stop the flow of the mighty lava. Alan, you're saying maybe it worked? It might have. It might have. They, they were thinking of collapsing the lava tubes below the lava flow that would be part of the redirection. But yeah. they said that it was a hit and miss thing, that they didn't have very accurate bomb sites. 
and they might have, you know, several missed entirely the target. But it was 1935 technology. It was like, who really knows? Sure. But today, take your best shot. Yeah, today we need Superman. Or <laughs> <laughs> Superman when you need him. I yeah. Tell you. Or, or, or you know, or or superpowers or that allow us to do that. Or maybe talking to the shamanic approach would be to talk to Pele directly. But who can do that really well? Yeah, you know, when you Alan know, and, told and, me that he what, wanted to talk to Pele direct, right, yeah. directly, I said, oh, we've got a, a new character for you. Instead of Dr. Future, we'll call you Dr. Foo. Foo. For woo. <laughs> Dr. Foo <laughs> looks into the woo. Yes, well, keep in mind that, that <laughs> many civilizations consider contact with nature to be more than woo. <laughs> so, 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 in, the list of the, in, in the list of the stupidest things I've ever done in my life yeah. is directly sniffing a volcanic vent while walking on the big island. Oh. And even after I was told not to, and that night I got so horrifically sick. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. From uh. inhaling, huh? From fumes? Yep. Oh. I wanted to see what it smelled like, and I, it just totally knocked me out and knocked me over. Wow. Well, what did it smell we like? What, so much what, for it, your Superman yeah. audition. Yeah. What did you find out before you faded? Uh, you know, sulfur. Sulfur, really? Sulfur dioxide, <clears throat> I guess, huh? Yeah. All right. Wow, Jordan, it's great to hear from you. We got the we got the board lit, lit. up, to and it's the last keep it minutes, and you know, Bruce is on. Make contact. Yeah, thanks. So for, glad. Call glad again. To hear from yeah, you. yeah, always great to hear from you. All right. We'll okay. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. All right, okay. and we got downtown Al. Hi, downtown Al. Hey, How are you? Al. Hey. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, I think it's really interesting this kind of contest between uh, uniformitarianism. And yeah. catastrophism. Yeah. And yeah. we're Keep seeing more and more of that. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah, well, yeah, because, you know, it looks like the English Channel formed kind of at once there. You know, that area called Doggerland out there that's kind of a low bank area where they dredge up um, mammoth tusks and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that England used to be uh, basically an extension or peninsula from the rest of Europe. Mm-hmm. And then that there was, towards the end of the Ice Age, there was a huge glacial melt lake that formed in the ice formations up there. And then it failed catastrophically, and it scoured out the channel, inundating <laughs> that Doggerland and all these other places. And some of the underwater geology appears to be like those the Scabland areas there in eastern Washington, where ancient Lake Missoula was dammed up behind a glacier that broke catastrophically. Uh-huh, right. And Graham yeah. Hancock talked about that. But we seem to have some of these events that do things like that, like, you know, the Chicxulub meteor mm-hmm. wiping out the dinosaurs. Sure. And yeah. And, it's you know, definitely we're, a combination. Here we yes. are. We're, yeah. the, we're the smart monkey mammals who survived those big events and here to tell the tale and see what we can remember I, I by guess, looking at the geology. I guess what the conservative scientists want to know is just not to jump to conclusions unnecessarily because catastrophe is more exciting in a way, not as boring. And the people who write popularist fiction and books make way more money doing exciting, dramatic things than the usual boring reality. So. It definitely seems to be a force. And uh, yeah. if I could say one last thing, um, yes. there was a lava flow, I know, in Iceland there, and they uh-huh. basically used it to form a breakwater and a harbor by directing seawater on it. Oh. That might have been back in the 50s or early 60s that they did that sort of thing, and they, wow. they formed like this big harbor out of it. So, you yeah. know, it can be done. That'd be cool if we learned how to do more of that. Very work interesting with nature like attitude. That. Yeah, well, they used to have an idea that we would 
conquer nature, and now we're trying to figure out how to harmonize nature, <laughs> right? Create Be a, more yeah. like nature. Symbiotic relationship. Anyway, great, great call. Thanks, Al. Yeah, thanks yeah. for calling. All right. It. Okay. All right. We're going yeah. to Bob in Thailand. Can you believe it? Hey, oh, Bob. Bob, hey, Bob. What up? Too long. Hey, Bob. You don't have to believe it. It's not true. I'm actually back in the States right now, oh. but I'm usually in Thailand. <laughs> I see. Oh, yeah. You're pulling You're our back. leg. You're back. Yeah. All right. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You, are well, calling I, in today. Yeah. I have wanted to call in so many times from Thailand. I can't tell you, but it's like three in the morning and I just can't stay up for some reason or another. Yeah. Oh, so do you have jet lag? Hmm. I've just gotten over it. I've been in town for a week. So Welcome back. Thank you. I wanted yeah. to add to the what the person said earlier, that I read an article that in Italy and Iceland and maybe even some other places, yeah. they have successfully diverted, at times, the lava flows using bombs and walls. And what the other person said, you know, spraying seawater on it and yeah. trying to reroute it. So I yeah. think that's so cool. It may not be able to do it in Hawaii, though. There are other potential problems there. But mm. this was a great article I read. Mm, cool. Oh, fantastic. Well, that's great information. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm you. glad people yeah. have been thinking about this kind of thing. This is kind of a geoengineering in a way. Pretty big stuff. Yes. Right. Yes. All right. Well, Bob, I just wanted everyone to know, uh -huh. from a global perspective, you are the best broadcast and podcast in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, well, thank you. Thank, thank you, you. Oh, Bob. Appreciate that. Wow. Appreciate wow. it. Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks, yeah. buddy. Thanks I hope we you see do. you soon while you're here. Yeah. Look yeah. us up. It's okay. We'll possible. see you over the very holidays. Possible. Yeah. Okay. Yes, All right. Still. All right, Thanks. sweetie. Okay. Be well. Bye. Okay. All right. Bye -bye. We got Marsha. Marsha, you always come in at the last Marcia. minute. And we do have another <laughs> one minute. So we'll see because we will talk in the next hour. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so much wonderful things have happened since we talked last, you beautiful people. And I always love hearing about Superman, you know, my big questions. But I wanted to say it was so great to see that our thoughts form reality. Yeah. And it was so great to see that China was standing up. And not just that, they were holding up their hands. Oh, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Oh, the white papers. But they were also holding up their hands, and mine were just vibrating. Yeah. My hands were out. And remember, I said, "Blow up a balloon, tie a knot, and put oh, it in the yes, palm of your yes, hand." Yes, yes, yes. And the coin circling mm. inside, staying, standing up inside with such little movement.